Hello and welcome. I'm Robin Harford, and this is another episode of the Eat Weeds podcast. I'm really blessed today because I'm sitting in very overgrown grass under a beautiful oak in the middle of Mid Devon with an amazing herbalist who I met over 10 years ago. And she's been inspirational in many ways with herbs and plant journeys but recently has been part of a group that has set up a herbal school. And so on this show, we're gonna talk about the importance of medical herbalism and the importance of trained herbalists in an era where the NHS and the health system is basically not only under deep pressure, but also collapsing really, if we're honest mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. So Helen, Introduce your name, please, and tell us your story. Thank you, Robin. My name's Helen. I'm Helen Kearney, and I'm sat in a graveyard that dates back to the early 1700s because we moved to Prescott Baptist Chapel and Cottages about a year and a half ago. So we live next to an amazing former Baptist chapel, first built in 1715. And we have about an acre of land where we grow all sorts of different herbs and the chapel becomes a teaching venue for when our students join the Botanica Medical Herbalist Training Programme or they come along on Home Herbalist Days. And we have different events that happen here. I'm going to be going on a bit of a walk along the River Colm next week and that's a very interesting story as well. And we're going to be camping here for the night. And I'm really glad I'm here with you, Robin, because talking about herbs, herbs don't have a very good voice for themselves. And this is the reason I agree to do these things. My journey really is having a grandparent, my gran grew up in Plymouth, but I thought I grew up in the countryside because she was a great gardener. And my earliest memories of being in the garden with my gran, smelling roses, eating the first tomato, Mm -hmm. going foraging for blackberries, or even pinching gooseberries from the allotment. Not our allotment. (laughs) And then as I got older, I had children. It's like, what do you do with your kids? What is health? What are the choices that you've got? Really started to look at different options, you know, calendula cream for nappy rash, chamomile tea for teething. Met medical herbalists that I admired from afar, and I thought I could never do that. You know, they're so clever. They've trained at university. I really thought it was outside of the scope of what I could manage. And then one day when my littlest one was two, I committed to going back to college and doing a human biology A-level and getting accepted to university and doing my medical herbalist degree. And I graduated in 2012. And everything that's happened since then is because I committed to the herbs. When you say committed to the herbs, to someone who's not really deeply embedded Mm because a lot of people who listen to the show are Mm -hmm. kind of starting their plant journey Mm -hmm. what do you mean committed to the herbs um so i think what i mean is i was determined to turn up and complete a degree level training that i felt was going to equip me with enough knowledge to start working with plants herbs and people because I believe it, it takes a lot of training 
to learn enough about the human side of things and the plant side of things to be a good enough herbalist. And you, you said lots of things about me at the beginning. I would just say I'm a good enough herbalist. And one day I hope to be a really good herbalist yeah. because I think it takes a long time. Yeah. And in the past, people would have had apprenticeships. You would have been learning it from the day that you were born. Who taught you to pick a blackberry? Can anybody remember being taught what a blackberry was? We just sort of knew, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely we did. And that, I imagine, would have been what it was like for all the different things we needed to know. And some people would have been much better at the bone setting or the infections or the women's complaints or the specific bits of human health, the mental health. And they would have been the herbalists that were just quietly getting on with things. We had a big shift around the Second World War. I did a permaculture course in 1997. Thought I was going to learn how to sort my garden out. Changed my life. And they talk about the tank factories and the bomb factories that were in production in the Second World War. And then they got turned into tractor factories and fertilizer factories. So we had a huge shift in how we grew food. The NHS came along, which is wonderful and marvelous and amazing. And I love the NHS and everything about free access to healthcare. Yeah. And my gran would talk about the bad old days when you were worried to call the doctor yeah. because you'd have to pay. Yeah. So free access to healthcare, changing food growing system and the dawn of antibiotics. The NHS thought its budget would get smaller every year because people would get healthier. And all of the old ways that we knew just seemed to get thrown away and forgotten. So everything that we could do for self-care to manage things that are just going to get better by themselves. So that's self-limiting conditions, coughs, colds, cuts, grazes, all of those things. We were like, no, we're not going to do that grubby old so that's plant-based like, that's, stuff. That's what I would call folk medicine, yeah. folk herbalism yeah. versus medical herbalism. And yeah. they are very... Yeah. But it all got chucked away. Yeah. It went. Yeah. Like we almost lost herbal medicine. It got made illegal. Yeah. Then we got it back again due to the amazing campaigning herbalists. Yeah. And that was post thalidomide because thalidomide shocked everybody so much. So who made it illegal? So that was, that was the government of the time. And then we got the 1968 Medicines Act where it became legal again. Right. And we learn all of this as part of our medical herbalist training because where we've come from is really important yeah. and where we're going is really important. And in the UK, I think we have the best rights as a herbalist anywhere in the world. We get to prescribe what I call the exciting herbs, which are restricted to medical herbalist practitioner use. That's Schedule 3. 20s, Schedule. used to be Schedule 3s, but renamed Schedule 20. Oh, right, okay. Because the Medicines Act was updated in 2012. Okay. And schedule I'm 10 20 years out of date. <laughs> I won't tell anybody, no, don't worry. Don't, don't. And um, those herbs are the ones that you might have heard of, like Atropa belladonna, deadly nightshade. And at the right dose, they can be very effective mm. for things like pain. Mm. But at the wrong dose, they're poisonous. Sure. So we learn a lot about schedule 20 herbs, the maximum, minimum, weekly doses. 
We grow a lot of them here. I love growing them. They're very beautiful. Mm. So, um, Atropa belladonna, henbane, yeah. hyoscyamus, yeah. datura, angel's trumpets. Yeah, beautiful. And they smell and look oh, amazing. Yeah, they look amazing. Angel's trumpet, yeah. a bit of a special. Yeah. So that's what I think I mean by committing to the herbs, is like fully understanding them, fully turning up to see how far you can take your learning and learning to find a way to talk to other people about them. I like how you say that turning up, because in my language, it's do the work. And I'm quite tough with people. Mm -hmm. It's like, you've got to do the work. If you want to know plants intimately mm -hmm. and deeply, mm -hmm. and it, like you say, it is, you know, we'll go to the grave still not knowing <laughs> hardly anything. But turning up is so important and i think what touched me about your story because it reflects on my own story is you initially didn't think you could do it because you didn't have the academics mm -mm. i mm -mm. didn't have the academics and yet now i'm taught i've taught in oxford uni and brought been brought in by some of the professors not to sound like a burke <laughs> but it's the yeah. point of saying that is to encourage people who yes. in their head thinking oh well I didn't get the right qualifications I didn't yeah. go to Oxford or Cambridge and therefore I can't do this yeah We're telling saying uh yeah you can yeah <laughs> if yeah. you've got the will yeah definitely if you've got the determination and I didn't know how I was going to manage traveling up and down to London for five years where I was going to stay any of those things but I had that place on that university course and I was going to find a way to make it work. So I slept on people's sofas. I stayed in youth hostels with three-storey bunk beds. I battled the tube in the morning. And I said, well, it's like the old seven-year apprenticeship. There are dragons, there are caves, there are all the tests. You know, there are scary teachers. There are all sorts of challenges. It yeah. might not be what you thought they were going to be. But at the end of it, if you've hung out with the plants as well, and really learnt the plants. And I, like some of our teachers are fantastic. We used to go on herb walks around London. There are herbs and useful plants everywhere and you just need somebody to help you start looking in the right way. Yeah. And then that's it, life is never the same again. Um, and it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's the best thing I've ever done. Well, I, I just have to say, Helen, mm -hmm. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, normally when I hear of herb schools, there's like a handful of students learning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've just turned up, mm -hmm. <laughs> no idea what was going to happen. And it's like a bloody festival. There's like four years here. Yep. And, and I've just, you've just taken me into the first year and it's rammed. Yep. It's like, yeah. how, because when we last met, yeah and first met, most probably, yeah. um, it was at the Steiner School Winter Fate, mm -hmm. again, 10 years ago, if not, yeah, yeah, 10 years ago, and you were just about, or you were growing mm -hmm. herbal, well, you were growing flowers and her herbal yeah. medicines, and suddenly you got this thriving school when yeah. every other school seems to be falling down and shutting. So we, Botanica's got a very different model. So I knew the original founder, somebody that I trained with, 
they unfortunately couldn't continue with the herb school. And I was humming and hawing about what I should do. You know, I did a little bit of help around the edges of the herb school. And then all the university courses, they were shutting because the Conservative government had chosen to put fees up to £9,000 a year. That makes it really unaffordable yeah. because most people training to be a herbalist, it's not their first career choice. Yeah. You're not just going to walk into a job like a nurse or a teacher at the end of it. So you're going to end up with a huge amount of debt. That model doesn't work. So the original founder of Botanica, I said, please, can we turn it into a co-op? I knew a little bit about cooperative structures. We got a board of directors, including Sebastian Pohl, who was flipping ace. And we kept the herb school going. So for people who don't know, Sebastian Pohl set up Pucker. One of the people that set One up Pucker. One of the people, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. The, his, his mate, who always yeah. remains quite silent in that. Yeah. But, he's, but we had a brilliant lot of help. And if you believe that herbal medicine's a good thing, how are you going to get more herbalists unless there's routes to training? So it was a response to a bit of a crisis. And every year we've increased in number and Kim Walker, who's head of year one, who's an absolute phenomena. I only met when she first started coming to teach at Botanica. We've now got 45 year one this year. It's our biggest intake of year one because more and more people are going, what do we want to actually do with our lives? What is health? How can we do things differently? And herbal medicine is an incredible response to the climate crisis, the planetary crisis we're in, human health, and it's really flipping interesting and you get to hang out with cool people. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. It's, and I lived on a small holding. We were growing all sorts of organic herbs and making medicines, and then we, um, Stuart's parents after lockdown my husband's parents were really unwell so we've combined forces and we moved to support their care they're no longer living which is like we miss them they were an incredible couple and they've been married for over 60 years and they died within a year of each other I don't think they could live without each other but we're here now because of them partly because of them mm. and they loved what we were doing they probably didn't understand it all sure but they saw there was a lot of people around. They'd come to events and nice people would talk to them, <laughs> you know? Excellent. Intergenerational. Definitely. Yeah, it's missing. Yeah. And our middle daughter lives with us and she helped with grandma and granddad. And the Herb School, it's a community interest company or a co-op. So any profit we make has to be reinvested into herbal education we have an amazing team of teachers. We run our own community clinics so people can access lower cost medicines and wow. consultations. Wow. And we do an online and an in-person clinic. So we're based in Mid-Devon. We're very rural, as you can see. Yeah. But we're not that far off the M5, so people can get to us. There's not that many buses, so public transport's a bit of a bugger. But um, we do lift sharing and organise things like that. And the other centre that we use, the Healthy Living Centre in Hemiok, there's lots of other therapists that work there oh, okay. and there's links with the local GP surgery. So for me, it's all about integration. So social prescribing, is that part of it? It's building up. We're near a surgery that does social prescribing, um, the Colne Valley Practice in Colampton. Because so it's international. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to explain what social prescribing is? Uh, so the way I would 
describe social prescribing is you turn up to the doctor and you've got a sore knee and the doctor might prescribe you a walking group that they know of because they know that exercise is going to really help your knee um, or you turn up at your doctor and you're complaining that you're lonely and your mood is low so there might be another gardening group or a knit and natter group and it's signposting to different things like that mm. and there was a doctor called Dr Michael Dixon that was really heavily involved with social prescribing and all the benefits it can do and another brilliant herbalist called Simon Mills who worked with him and our local GP surgery has a garden, a gardening group, a cafe there where there's different things that happen. So it's that idea of joined up thinking. Yeah. yeah. The NHS takes a while to get there. Yeah, sure. But when it does, it really, really works. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, yeah, that's social prescribing. Herbal medicine, I would love to see it more recognised in the NHS because the point of our healthcare service is you get free access to medicine at the point of entry but at the moment we don't get a choice no we get what the doctor prescribes and that's it so how can we integrate herbal medicine it's ongoing work and we really encourage our students to make connections with their local surgeries if they can yeah find out what's going on do they get welcomed or do they get mm. rebutted or everything in between yeah when I was training, and it still exists, there's a brilliant group of herbalists at a hospital in North London, Whips Cross Hospital. So Alex Laird is one of them. Yeah. And you can go, they run a dermatology clinic that's free for patients to attend, but they just pay for their herbal medicine. Sure. And the herbalists work in conjunction with the consultants and the nurse practitioners and all the other medics there, which is great. Wow. Which so is that's a kind of a model that needs to be... Yeah emulated elsewhere yeah, definitely is ha, is there are there any moves for that to make that happen i mean i think there are pockets around the country but there's no coordinated national approach okay but what we are finding at botanica is we're having lots of people who are currently within our nhs system about to exit or have exited coming to do their herbalist training yeah so that's nurses, doctors, psychiatrists. That's really interesting because when I did, um, you mentioned a fantastic herbalist, Alex Laird. Mm -hmm. And when I go and hang out in London, um, she and I have done gigs together. Mm -hmm. Me doing the world food, she doing the yeah. world medicine. And the last few that we were did, because last time we ran them was pre the pandemic, mm -hmm. we had doctors. Mm -hmm. I mean, people in their thirties, turning up going this is insane why is this not <laughs> so it yeah. felt it felt one on the one hand it, I, speaking to them it, and listening to them it felt like they were just desperate that this could be integrated and then that whole kind of thing of like you're against it's David and Goliath scenario yeah. isn't it it is at the moment but I am I am an optimist yeah no I'm yeah, yeah. absolutely and, totally and things have got to change if people could be taught self-care somehow nationally or through their GP yeah. surgery yeah. and that would be simple cooking yeah. what's out at the moment elderberries an amazing antiviral yeah we all used to make rosehip syrup why don't we make some rosehip and elderberry syrup have it in the cupboard it tastes nice you know gently getting in there would be great 
in schools. There's a you know there's some brilliant herbalists that run junior herbalist club, getting into schools. Yeah, we've just got to get out there, and I really like giving talks to gardening clubs and WIs because it's about remembering what we all used to do. Yeah, but then also signposting people to well look there's a medical herbalist, but actually. Why don't you just do a big steam inhalation of your fresh garden herbs? If you've got a cold, like we get your head under a towel and get in some herbs again. It's really funny, you know, when I first went to see, you mentioned this, another great herbalist, Simon Mills. Mm -hmm. When I first went to see him, I kind of disclosed that my my healing modality from Mm -hmm. kind of early 20s to, well, since really, Mm -hmm. was nature cure. Mm or what in, is also known as naturopathy. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not American naturopathy, because that's a different um, modality, but North, what I would call North European naturopathy. And it would be, it is the base. We kind of were talking and saying, this is the base that needs, it's a basis of self-care. Mm-hmm. Food, exercise, fresh mm-hmm. air, mm-hmm. all the usual stoic yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But with also the plant medicines in there because if you look at traditional nature cure they don't yeah. involve plant medicine but you know yeah. they're quite hardcore well like today what we could have done it's got a really nice cold foot bath with some rose petals and mint yeah. in it and be yeah. sat here and doing our podcast <laughs> because it's really hot today you it know is. and i've been rushing around and i'm a bit overheated but remembering to do those things and knowing the difference between okay it's not getting better what am I going to do now? And that's what I... So yeah. let me say, what's not getting better? So I've, you know... You've so some I'm, symptoms or something. Like, so today I've got a bit of a headache. Yeah. If I had a cold foot bath and I drank some lemon balm tea, yeah. I can head it off. I should take my own advice. But it's the opening seminar weekend and I've pushed through getting everything ready, doing a load of things... And we're too used to doing that sometimes, where we're not listening to ourselves enough. We're told we need to get back to school, get back to work. Convalescence isn't a thing anymore. COVID, you know, we, like, COVID is a really nasty virus. We're talking about post-COVID and long COVID. Herbalists just call it post-viral syndrome. It's not resting enough not eating the right sort of foods, which are more easily digestible foods, proper rest, not looking at a screen, not doing phone calls, you know, that tray in bed, you know, that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. all of those, those yeah. things, not moving. We don't really do that anymore. No, you convalescing is something that my partner and I talk about. She's really good at convalescing. I'm a bit more old school and kind of you know break on through to the other side kind of scenario which is really unhealthy when you're coming through an illness Mm -hmm. but Zilla's fantastic with convalescing she gives herself a good week or two and it is something it's that I remember going down the tube in London Mm -hmm. and you know they got those little wind those little picture frames with ads in yeah there was one I went down on the tube and it went hi ho hi ho (laughs) I've had flu and it's off to work I go and it was a med ad, oh, the whole no. sequence yeah, yeah. going down. And I just burst out hysterically yeah. laughing in the tube. Yeah. People must have thought I was nuts. But it just epitomised this kind of just push yourself to the absolute max where yeah. 
you're just gonna, <laughs> you're gonna collapse. Just, you're gonna collapse. Yeah. 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 Um, so the home herbalist courses that we do, and we do a lovely summer school here in June, and we have a marquee up the field, and that's where we have our lunches. We have a lovely chef come in, Zoe, and she makes our lunch. And then we do the teaching in the chapel, and it's all the things they leave, participants leave with a herbal first aid kit. So that's for all the annoying things, the insect bites and stings, the dodgy tummies, you know, the coldy, fluey things. We go through, you know, we have five days. Bruises, sprains. Bumps and bruises, sprains and, sprains and, bruise, and yeah. strains. Headaches. Aches and pains. Yeah. And when do we need to go and see somebody? So if my headache didn't get better and it keeps coming back, you know, and I'm like getting it every week, that's when I need to go and see somebody. Sure. Because it's really difficult to treat yourself then. And that's when you go off and see somebody that's done their medical herbalist training or their whatever practitioner they are. Yeah. I really like going to see an acupuncturist. I've seen her for years. Go and see her in Exeter. Just say she puts the needles in and all the steam gets let out. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that's what rebalances me really well. And definitely being outside and going for a walk. If I've been inside for too long, we're really lucky. We live near a really lovely woodland trust wood called Hunkinwood. It's next to the River Colme. And that was planted in memory of our local farmer when he died. Mm. So it's 20 years old. It was a millennium wood. And it's amazing to go down there and just walk through the trees, have a look at the river. Um, we've got a great teacher, Pamela Spence, and she will talk about the Ayurvedic doses. And she will say to listen to the river and hear the wind in the trees. That's doing something to your vata, pitta. I've got no idea yeah. what those words mean. Yeah. But I believe that she does. Yeah. 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 And we don't do that. No. At all. I think it, it was Simon who said that the, the s insanity of the health service in this country mm -hmm. and the insanity of the social situation that we find ourselves in is that 50% of people go to a doctor's surgery mm -hmm. every day mm -hmm. for social contact. Yeah. The yeah. next 25% wow. <laughs> go for what I call sniffles and snots, which is what the yeah. folk... Yeah herbalism covers which is what i'm a folk herbalist so yeah, i'm knowledgeable yeah, on that stuff yeah. the next 25 percent is for the serious stuff which yeah. is what yeah. your doctor's for and your medical herbalist yeah. is for and i'm sure other health practitioners yeah. in other areas as well but blimey if so that self-care thing yeah you know if if only that could be communicated to more people yeah, you I, kind of it, it, it. It's kind of strange because I came out of the the whole punk era. Mm -hmm. People know this because I bang on about it so mm -hmm. blooming often. But it was a it was the spirit of DIY and it was the mm -hmm. spirit of actually we don't need the corporations, whether rightly or wrongly at that mm -hmm. time. We don't need government rightly or wrongly at that mm -hmm. time. We can do this ourselves. Mm -hmm. And plant medicines. Yeah. Were so everybody's massively medicine. part of it, as yeah. was cooking, yeah. whole food, yeah. veggie. It yeah. might have, you might have felt like you'd eaten bricks after most of it. <laughs> I was interested when you said earlier that herbal or medical herbalism, herbal medicine, plant mm. medicine, is important f 
for the earth mm -hmm. and climate change mm -hmm. what did you mean i mean i completely miss paraphrasing mm -hmm. you but that was kind of what you'd said so it's planet friendly medicine planet friendly meds okay so years ago i did this permaculture course and they talk about the three ethics of permaculture you know people care planet care fair share and herbal medicine fits brilliantly into that because we can sustainably forage so many things wherever we live you know that's cities rural in this country we're very lucky yeah um if we choose to grow our own herbs like they're really healthy and easy to grow organically um and how that fits i think into the response to the planet crisis is we can reduce resources massively if we learn to look after ourselves well with these readily available medicines and then only in those emergencies, those 25% or less, modern pharmaceutical medicines are flipping brilliant. Do not get me wrong. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people <laughs> think I'm anti-antibiotics, any of that stuff. When I was training to be a herbalist, I volunteered for the ambulance service as a first responder because you get excellent first aid training. I lived in a little village and you got given your kit when you completed your training and then you got a pager and you switched it on and I like testing myself so I like to see if I can do things you know so it's like feel the fear and do it anyway mm -hmm. am I good at first aid or not this is a brilliant way to find out because sure. when the pager goes off you're the first person on the scene yeah and then the paramedics turn up they're always on their way and I think I probably would have ended up being a paramedic if I hadn't completed okay. my training okay. because I really like helping people quickly mm. and the procedures and the medicines that paramedics have in this country are probably the best in the world and that's amazing because if we need if we have an accident sure the ambulance times are kind of scary now so it's also yeah. needing to skill ourselves up and modern pharmaceutical medicines appropriately used are brilliant totally. but we've overused antibiotics yeah, totally. and that's a whole other podcast yeah so our response to the planet and the climate crisis, which I think everybody's going to agree is real now. Hopefully the government... Your, not if you're coming to your extra on a Saturday. <laughs> You've got the climate yeah. is a fraud, people. My response to Cosmic that... Cosmic right, I think I call that. So who... How do we respond? We can only do what we can do. Yeah. And practising herbal medicine and helping people learn about it that's my happy response Absolutely. to yeah. otherwise just gnashing and wailing my teeth yeah. and doing all of that. Yeah. You know, it's Joanna Macy that says, you know, we've got a choice in how we respond. Totally. And this is how I do it. And the Herb School has just flourished and bloomed beyond my wildest dreams, beyond anybody's wildest dreams. But it's more than that, Helen, because I spoke to... The, the person I interviewed just early, uh, last week was a guy yeah. called Matt from the Ethicurian and, yeah. and he was saying he he was struggling with the you know the the country's kind of falling off a cliff yeah. hospitality is really struggling he's having to close his restaurant having been fully booked for 13 years and it was like he said he felt grassroots was no longer an approach we couldn't just rely mm -hmm. on grassroots and mm -hmm whether he's right or he's or he's not i don't uh, personally i don't know but what i said to him was 
I'm quite Taoist in my lifestyle. I'm awful at being one, but and I don't mm. claim to be one. But I like. I'm inspired by them, and it's that thing of unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Through my life, the unintended consequences of my work, mm-hmm. where I meet someone ten years later, and what they've done within the world <laughs> is extraordinary. So you, how many first years have you got here? So we've 40? got forty-five. Year one students. 45. Because we had an overwhelming response to year one. So you've got 45 pebbles being dropped into a pond, each sending ripples out. It's the first time we've gone over 100 students across all four years this year. We're going to have an amazing graduation event tomorrow. So we send more qualified herbalists out into the world. We eat an enormous cake. It's a real coming together. Loads of people sponsor student prizes. So we, we give away awards. Oh, right. We remember my lovely colleague, Catherine, who's no longer with us. And there's a beautiful silver trophy given to so a student. who is Catherine? Catherine Johnson was somebody I trained with and she died two years ago. She was flipping awesome. She was brave and clever and strong. And she went to Calais and okay. joined with the conventional medics and made great things happen in the jungle and got really great herbal medicine. So for people who are outside Europe who will listen to this, yeah. Calais is the migrant community, where the migrant communities are. It's an absolute, complete disaster of humanity. Yeah, yeah. It's the worst place I've ever been in my life. Mm. There used to be one camp called the jungle, and then it was broken by the French authorities. And now there's people all across the northern coast of France trying to get to the UK because they believe there's a better life for them here and die, you know, all the time, constantly. And my colleague Catherine qualified as a medical herbalist and went, right, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the jungle and because of our training, we can hopefully get accepted by medics if we turn up and we have the right attitude. And she did. Yeah. And she helped provide hundreds of people not only good quality medicine, but also a fresh pair of socks yeah. and other things like that. Yeah. And she was taken from us too early. How? She she had an incurable disease. Okay. And so we've made a beautiful award for her, which is a silver trophy with plants all around it. Mm. And somebody that shows excellence in clinical practice gets awarded that trophy every year. Wow. And I'm always going to talk about her because she was so amazing. When our youngest baby was little, we were going to the Green Gathering to work. We thought she was going to be born in the middle of June. She was born on the 11th of July. We had to be at the Green Gathering five days later. (laughs) Okay. So we turned up, we had washable nappies and three kids and a five-day-old baby, you know, this five-day-old baby. I suddenly started to not feel very well at all. And somebody said to me, right, you need to go and see the medical herbalists. I'm like, who are they? You've got to go down the healing field. You'll see their caravans all covered in flowers. Off I trotted. (laughs) There's the caravan. I stood in the door of that caravan. I looked at all of those bottles of tinctures with all their Latin names. And I was like, I want to learn everything about all of that. Wow. And they sorted me out and I was okay, but they were so brilliant at checking and knowing whether I needed to go to hospital and what might be happening and the baby was okay. And they were brilliant. And then I just 
that was it. I needed to find out how to be a medical herbalist. Wow. So that was like the start, start of my journey yeah, into herbs. Yeah. Um, and that's what herbalists do. They're really good first aiders. They do all the first aid at the Green Gathering. So they do the emergency first aid or if you trod on a wasp. Yeah. And they've got everything that helps. Yeah. And that's from when Rose was a tiny little baby. I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm never going to, what am I going to do? And then when she was two, back I went to college. Wow. So that was the, that was the start really. Wow. And then many twists and turns in the road. I'm hanging out with many good people and doing that permaculture course and knowing that there's a different way to do things. Sure. So it's cooperation, not competition. Yeah. There are about 64 million people in this country. There's never going to be enough herbalists. So we need to train them and work together because that's how we're going to change things. That's what I believe. Because it's not like, oh, there's a herbalist moved over there. Oh, they've moved really close to where I live. It's That's an interesting one. That's an interesting scenario, mm-hmm. that perceived competition. Mm-hmm. And I'm picking up on it because mm-hmm. it it happened within the bushcraft community. Mm-hmm. Became popular. Everyone was doing this, and sadly, it's happened within the foraging community mm-hmm. as well. Because there's no need to behave like that old way of it's my turf, get off it. I don't believe that at all. I d- I believe we should have manners, and we should introduce ourselves Absolutely. to each other. And then I will say, I know Robin. He's brilliant and he's really good at this particular thing. Yeah. And if you want to do that, yeah. and that benefits everybody. Yeah. But getting grabby is not nice. No, no. And it's definitely old school. Yeah. That, Moving forwards, we're not yeah. going to um, have, a, have a comfortable journey if we're all behaving on, in that way. But we need to get to know each other. Yeah. So then we can say, oh, Helen, she's great at doing this particular yeah. thing. And if you've got that then definitely go and see Helen that's really again you said that earlier on about herbalists having or medical herbalists having specific skill sets mm-hmm. and I remember when I was in in Asia I was um, taken out into the forest and the guy who was taking me out was spinning me lots of yarns and stories and stuff and he told me this this one tale of the bone specialist mm-hmm who was mm-hmm. a plant mm-hmm. healer, uh, a spirit doctor that he called them, mm-hmm. which ugh, I really don't like the word shaman, but it's the mm-hmm. kind of what people tag to. But he, he basically worked with crushed bones, fractured bones. That mm-hmm. was his speciality yeah. as a plant healer. Yeah. So that was, that's why I picked up on that, because that's, re- that's, that's from my experience in cultures that still have all these traditions. Yeah. That is how it kind of goes. Yeah to a point I mean everyone is kind of a generalist but when you really need that specialist there they are yeah and it what will happen is you'll have patients turn up and I have this happen a lot I'll get two new patients but they have exactly the same thing so there's like something in the ether as well or you get things that you're really comfortable treating and then you bank some success and then people hear about it and then people want to see you about that particular thing and there's some things that you just don't particularly like dealing with so you'll make sure they go and see another herbalist yeah. who actually likes dealing yeah. with that. Yeah. 
and that's why you need to talk to each other yeah and you need to find out who's good at what so my other things that i did this is how i supported myself when i was training i did my forest school um leaders course and i worked with a friend in a bushcraft company my good friend zoe wilding who had her own bushcraft school so i was teaching in a bushcraft setting as well so i've got lots of friends in the outdoor world i did an amazing training i was also i like to help with cubs when i was little you weren't allowed to be a cub if you were a girl yeah. so i had an ambition to be a cub and i ended up helping with our local cub pack and i did a brilliant week with chris holland on dartmoor and that again was a pivotal experience for me because i didn't know you could walk around at night not being able to see anything you but still chris, finding your way know you chris. chris is one of my favorite people so all of those things and then doing the herbal medicine and it all fits together i think really well because it's about remembering the things that we all used to mm. know mm. and i've ended up being a herbalist this time round, which i'm very happy about mm. because it gives me plenty of things to do keeps you busy keeps me busy <laughs> And I get to hang out with people and the networks, the networks of herbalists are phenomenal. You know, and when we get together, we have a really good time. Yeah. You know, there's brilliant yeah. gatherings. Yeah. yeah. And then you get to know who's good at what and all of those things. So there are informal networks, but there are also professional registers. Not every herbalist is a member of a professional body. You don't have to be. You can be insured without being a member of a professional body. As a medical herbalist, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But NIM is the biggest one in the country. Yeah. National Institute of Medical Herbalists, office in Exeter. Yeah. NIM office team are coming to visit next week, which is lovely. Okay. Yeah. Because we went to the Power of Plants Festival this year and we had a great time. And they're going to run it next year. Great. We really want to help. And coming together in different locations that are outdoors is really important. Yeah because the skill sharing is immense yeah and yeah we really I like just that. heard of this festival i'm gonna to have to turn up you've got to come um, i remember even, when even you if went i'm not invited i'm just turning definitely out. no you should be invited uh, you came to the radical herbalist <laughs> gathering the first one the first one yeah that was at nicole rose's parents small holding near glastonbury yes i did because i remember seeing you there yes that's I when did. i was a student that really i do you know going there was transformative for me mm -hmm. because it was the first time one it felt very punky it was very it was good diy yeah. it was the conversations were extraordinary yeah <laughs> it was yes. a collective who'd set it up yeah and I walked into the tent and I, it was the first time I'd heard people talk about well-being from the perspective that maybe if you are under the weather, it could be a response to living in the society and the culture and the social structures that we have. And radical herbalist, like when I first heard that phrase, I was like, oh, you know, is it tie-dyed dungarees? <laughs> but it's radical meaning roots and it's yeah. it's a political word yes so the i and loved the, the radical herbalist gatherings yes because they got us together they got us talking and there was a political edge to yeah, it that's what definitely. i mean by punk and yeah. i don't mean well what do i mean yeah it those conversations yeah were not off limits which is so important and the other thing it would i remember having a big 
being in a big talk there about like herbalists thinking they can't make a living yeah. and that idea that that you know going back to scarcity and there's not enough and actually as herbalists we definitely can make a living we've just yeah. got to decide what sort of living we want how we want to work and it's not just renting a consulting room and waiting for patients to turn up okay so this is really important for me yeah okay this this next question that i'm going to ask you mm -hmm. because it's my biggest frustration mm -hmm. so having come from punk which was diy mm -hmm. we didn't have the option of using corporations to get our music and our publications out there we mm -hmm. had to do it ourselves so that meant we had to learn how to disseminate and let people be aware mm -hmm. that we actually existed with the art or the the information that we were trying to push into the world so marketing mm -hmm. is something that I see people spend thousands on their trainings and they don't get taught how to generate yeah. clients. Yeah. And there's really bad, awful, horrific marketing and then there's really cool, what I call open-hearted marketing, which is more networked and human, mm -hmm. really. Well, the, um, what happens with Botonica? With Botonica... There's a business skills module that's taught by Fiona, who's great. She's an Irish herbalist. She's in the chapel at the moment teaching. She's lovely. And you have to write a business plan for you that's real. So when I was at Herb University, we had to design a leaflet. But at Botonica, <laughs> you write your business plan. What are you going to do? And you're encouraged throughout your training to spend external clinic hours with different herbalists to get a flavour for what sort of herbalist you want to be. And I will always talk about nobody wants to see a herbalist that they don't know. Yeah. You can have the nicest leaflet, the most beautiful website, sure. go and do talks. I used to go to the health food shop, building. offer free herb tea every Tuesday morning, yeah. put a sign outside on the streets. You gotta do the graph. People can come in and talk to you. Yeah. They need to know who you are. Yeah. And as soon as people know who you are, you will get patience. Yeah. So you need to get yourself out there. Yeah. You don't get your shiny certificate and sit down and go, where are all my patients? No. It doesn't work. That's how it's been up until recently. It's felt. Yeah. yeah and, and that's why yeah. herbalists are, are kind of a bit like writers, struggling artists. It's, yeah, and I, yeah. <laughs> and there's no need. That's no, the point. I don't there's think absolutely that, no. no need. WI and gardening clubs will pay me to talk to them and then I get patients and quite often I will get a really nice WIT at the end of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like it's a win-win. And a jar yeah. of jam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a raffle ticket. Yes. And like, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. So I'd, I'd, I think you need to be, wherever you're choosing to live, people need to know who you are and what you do. Yeah. Herbalist is a word that really confuses people. Homeopath is the, what we get called quite a lot. People don't know how we're trained, what we do. I got taught about perceived weirdness factor when I did a training course at the Findhorn Foundation. And that's... They were teaching that. They the Findhorn Foundation. I went to a brilliant the... training course there. Did two weeks at Findhorn. Flipping wonderful. Wow. Loved it. Training for group and workshop leaders. It was amazing. When the kids were really small, combined it with a holiday, I went in and did the training. 
And if you come across as too weird, people are not going to listen to anything that. that you've got to say. No. So you have to meet people where they're at. And I think we do ourselves a disservice sometimes by being too herbal. And our year two students, I'm on a ramble now. The year Go two students it. you saw today, yeah. this is their first day in clinic. So we have a whole day as a whole year and we go through, what are you gonna wear? What equipment you need? Why we don't have, you know, jeans, trainers, ripped clothes. Yes, we do wear a white coat when a patient's in the room. The practitioner doesn't. We all wear a name badge that says who we are, whether we're a student or a practitioner. That's a lovely bit of signposting because when the patient turns up, they might be all sorts of worried going on. Yeah. And they just need to clearly see what's going on. And a white coat, they can see they're the students. And yeah. we say, well, they wear, the, wear their white coats when they're dispensing because it's a health and safety hygiene thing. Mm -hmm. And then you can easily see who's a student as well, who's a practitioner. And we, you know, we try to make ourselves look as neutral as possible sure. because the most important person in the room, this is what I was taught, is the patient. Absolutely. So be really herbal at the Power of Plants Festival or the Radical Herbalist yeah, Gathering. Yeah. But when we're in clinic, we need to meet the patient. I'm so with you. In my own work, the language is... I spent over 10 years refining the language that mm -hmm. I use to communicate plants. Because for me, I went to Burma, I got asked by um, a young mum to just scout out a foraging route in Birmingham. And mm -hmm. I turned up and it was one of the massive high-rise flats mm -hmm. in the middle of motorways. I mm -hmm. mean, the most <laughs> urban, yeah. crazy kind of place to be bringing up a, a kid, mm -hmm. right up. And she came down and she was really distressed because it was all getting too much for her, doing it on her own with a fellow who wasn't there half the time because he was away mm -hmm. earning cash. And I just came away from that and I thought, you know, unless I can teach at a level which is include, and I'm not talking dumbing down here, nope. I'm talking inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, and basically some people are going, oh, we're talking bloody inclusive. Yeah, bloody inclusive, folks, mm -hmm. actually. It's what it's about. It's people's medicine. It's people's food. Mm -hmm. Unless I can communicate in a yeah. way that a single mum or parent at the top of a high rise yeah struggling yeah who hasn't got four hours to sit and watch youtube videos unless i can communicate it quickly and effectively in language that everyone will understand what's the bloody point because anybody should be able to come to our clinic and feel comfortable enough to access the herbalist to get treatment yeah. for the condition that they're living with yeah because they've plucked up their courage. Yeah. And we live in mid-Devon. It's very rural. Everybody knows everybody. And and conservative with a small C, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, a big, a and a big C, quite a lot as and well. A big C. Yeah. <laughs> Except in Tiverton, because we got rid of that one because he was the tractor porn guy. Oh. Yeah. So oh, he's was gone. He, he was oh, tractor porn. Right, okay. yeah. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really like and Today in class, one of the fellow teachers, Liz, she referenced Christopher Headley. He was an amazing herbalist. Yeah, sadly, I never met him. Oh, he was amazing. I only met him a few times. I know, he was, yeah. 
I was lucky to have met him a few times. I really feel that because he didn't teach on our course. And she said, Christopher Headley would call your white coat like your robes of office. You know, and I like to talk about disguises. Disguises are super useful Hmm. because you'll just get into different places. It's like camouflage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we're not false representing ourselves, but we're just letting people feel comfortable in a different way. You're meeting people in a, in a way where the guard isn't immediately drawn yeah. up, the bridge isn't drawn up, yeah. and, and you're kept out. Because yeah. that doesn't help anybody. No. That doesn't help them if they're suffering. No. No. And it certainly doesn't help us as plant people because the food and the, the health message doesn't get out. Nope. So I'm really, alienate yeah. people. I mean, within the school, it's predominantly female at the moment. I was going to ask you that. What because, is the... The, yeah, the majority of herbalists are female. Why do you think that is? Because traditionally, you know, the caring roles. Is it that? The things... A lot of blokes are nurses in the NHS. Yeah, I know, and that's, that's shifting. I mean, I think things are shifting. Um, there's more female GPs now than yeah. male GPs, so, like, the mix is, is happening. It's, I don't really know. There's some American academic work looking at the roles of nurses midwives and healers and like looking at how politically this has changed and i you know i hope that there will be a bit more of a shift because it's really important to be inclusive yeah and botanica is a co-op you know our principles are based because co-ops go back a really long way and they've always been inclusive yeah and that's that's what we you know we welcome any ideas for how we can be more inclusive Mm. We have a good range of ages, which pleases me. Great. You know, so from literally just left school right up until almost retirement. Yeah. So it's never too late to learn. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So how can people find out more about Botonica? So they can look at our amazing website built by Nadine, which is www.botonica.co.uk that's b-e-t-o-n-i-c-a after wood betony which is botonica officinalis which is a herb associated with the head so that's why that herb was chosen for the name of the herb school botonica.co.uk okay we've got uh social media instagram and facebook got a great social media manager who does lots of photos and stories about really what we're good. doing they're really good and it's not just pushing come and buy no. a course it's no. really sharing the information yeah. That's, yeah. You know. because we feel we're a response to the crisis in healthcare at the moment yeah. so we're building um, a community we're more than just a herb school and I really want to say I am not the herb school I just showed up for the herbs sure, I, know. I have turned up amazing people do all the jobs sure. of running this place yeah and i just do waffling occasionally yeah i am very lucky yeah. i know how lucky i am yeah but everybody that works with botanica we've just got such a great team like we really have all power to you i have to say it's been finally because yeah. we've been planning this interview, I think, before Botanica, yeah, 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 actually, yeah, yeah. when you were growing flowers. And I loved growing the herbs and the flowers, but I also feel that you shouldn't be so attached to something that you can never let it go. Yeah. And you never know what's going to happen next. Like, you never know what's going to happen next. And 
we've ended up here. Wonderful. Oh. Thank you, Helen. Thanks. Yeah, pleasure. And the herbs can't speak for themselves.